Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I am so excited as we come to the conclusion of what has been a wonderful and a thrilling study through the Scriptures. We end today our study of the kings of the Old Testament. We've been going through the book of Chronicles, and today we come to the king Josiah. You know, my friends, out of all of the kings we've studied, Josiah is one of my favorites. He came to the throne at only eight years old. He sought himself to seek God at the age of 16, and he continuously progressed spiritually. But you know what was missing in his life? At that time in the nation's history, God's word had been lost. He did not even know it was missing. And as they cleaned the temple out and restored it and repaired it, they found a copy of God's word. What a difference it made as they read the scriptures to King Josiah. You know, many of us are just like him. We love God. We seek God. We desire God's will in our life. We do our best to live right. But for far too many of us, do you know what's missing? The daily use and application, the daily reading, the daily memorizing, the daily living of the word of God in our lives. Friends, many of us can love God and do our best to live for God. But if Scripture is missing out of our daily life, oh, we're forfeiting so much. Well, we're going to learn many principles today out of the life of King Josiah. We're in Second Chronicles 34. I hope you'll go with me as we search, as we study, as we apply the Scriptures today on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Second Chronicles chapter 34. I want to talk today about the life of King Josiah. If you're going to take some notes, let me give you a little bit of background information. Josiah is going to be the last and final great king of Judah. The goodness, the greatness, the godliness ends here. We are only a few short years at this point from Nebuchadnezzar coming with the Babylonian kingdom and taking them captive. Already at this point in our text, the northern kingdom, geographically called Israel, is gone. It is wiped out. It has been led off into captivity. Now, the prophecy of Isaiah to Hezekiah, remember when we were there several weeks ago, And you remember what Hezekiah said. He said, well, as long as there's peace and security in my day, then I don't care. And what did Hezekiah do? He forfeited the next generation. And now we are coming to the end of those days. And when we pick up with Josiah, who was the great-grandson to King Hezekiah, we're going to see that this is the last Remaining godliness there will be in the kingdom of Judah. From here on, they will have four more short kings, very short reigns. One of them only being three months. The other two, 11 years respectively. And the other, very short reign. And then the kingdom falls to the Babylonians. Then this is where, in your Bibles, this is where the book of Daniel comes alive. They're going to carry off into captivity Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. This is... uh, As a matter of fact, if you want to note this, just to show you where we are in the Old Testament, 
two of the primary prophets that prophesied during the reign of Josiah would have been Zephaniah. If you read the book of Zephaniah in the Old Testament, you'll see that it's talking about the kingdom of Josiah. And then, of course, Jeremiah was the main primary prophet during the days of Josiah. Jeremiah is going to see the fall of Judah. He's going to die in the land of Egypt. And Jeremiah would go on to write the book of Jeremiah as well as the book of Lamentations, which is lamentation over the destruction of the nation of Israel. So that's where we are right now in the text. And today I want to talk some very practical application. I want to talk today because what I, what I want to call today is the king who discovered God's word. And I want to see the incredible impact. I want to see the results. I want to see the change that the word of God brought not only to King Josiah, but to the entire nation. And I know in my heart today that I'm talking to many people that just like Josiah, you're seeking after God, you love God, you desire God, you want to know God's will, you want to do God's will, but there is one primary thing lacking in your life. And it was the primary thing lacking for Josiah. And when he discovered it, we're going to see exactly what he did, exactly how he responded, And exactly what the results were. Amen. So let's look. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Verse number 1 tells us that Josiah was only 8 years old when he came to the throne. Now why was he only a boy? Because his son Amon only reigned 2 years before he was assassinated. His grandfather was King Manasseh. Who we studied last week. His great-grandfather was King Hezekiah. And now here he is. He's only eight years old. And he ascends to the very throne of Judah. But watch the progression of his spiritual growth. If you're going to take notes today, here's what I want you to see. We are going to learn through the life of Josiah how we can follow God with a whole heart. We're going to learn from the life of Josiah how not to get distracted to the left or to the right but how to walk in the pathway of God. We're going to learn from Josiah what wholehearted pursuit of God and godliness really looks like. So if you're someone that you wish you were more godly, if you're someone that maybe perhaps you just always felt like you're not like those other Christians and you're just someone you can't seem to get things together in life and it just seems like you look at other Christians and you know they're like Navy SEAL, elite Christians and you'll never get there. Oh my friends, I have good news for you. There is no such thing as Navy SEAL Christians. <laughs> there is no such thing as an elite Christian. That's the devil lying to you right there. And if you're not careful, let me tell you, I'll lie to myself. Do you do that too? Sometimes you got to quit listening to yourself. And you got to listen to the Word of God. You have to listen to the Spirit of God that is inside you. And let me tell you what the Word of God says, 2 John chapter 2. It says, you are strong because the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. You say, Chad, I don't feel strong today. Let me tell you, get the word of God in you and you'll become strong. 
That's the secret to strength in the Christian walk is the Word of God. It does not come through any other source. The Word. And it will make you strong as a believer. And that's exactly what we're going to see in the life of Josiah today. So this young kid, only eight years old, he comes to the throne. Verse 2, look at the commentary of his life. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. With all of these kings, they either did what was evil or they did what was right. One or the other. Remember, 1st, 2nd Kings is a historical narrative. It's the historical viewpoint. But remember, 1st, 2nd Chronicles is the heaven perspective. It's the heavenly perspective. It's God's viewpoint. And God measures and says they either did what was right or they did what was evil. He walked according to the ways of his father, David. But I want you to note this. Eight years into his reign, that would put him at 16 years old. Do you know what he began to do? He began to seek after God. Let me give a word right now to the students that are listening today. Let me give a word right now to those of you that you're in middle school and you're in high school and perhaps even in in your college years. Let me tell you, you don't let anyone despise your youth. You don't ever let Satan tell you, you can get serious with God later on in life. No, you begin to seek God right now. Right now at the age that you are. Josiah was only 16 years old when he began to seek after God. And I am telling you, and I'm telling you from experience, I loved the Lord every bit as much when I was 16 as I love Him today. And let me tell you, you choose to go God's path. You choose to go God's way. I am telling you, it will be an adventure for your life. It will be a thrilling journey for your life. You will never choose a better path than going God's way and seeking after the heart of God. And don't ever let Satan sell you another bill of goods. Don't let this culture sell you their empty promises. Don't let friends sell you their empty lifestyle. You seek after God. And whatever age you are right now, you say, God, here's my heart. Set it ablaze for your glory. And I'm telling you, you'll make no better decision in life. No better decision. He was only 16 When he set himself to seek after God. What a commentary. What a statement of your life. That at this point, a line was drawn in the sand. And this man said, I'm going God's way. You can do the exact same. I want you to note verse number three. It was at age 20. That he began to get very serious about attacking sin. He started seeking God at age 16. He came to the throne at only age 8. But when he got to age 20, that's when he really became godly. That's when he said, I am going to ruthlessly, aggressively go after sin. And what did he do? He took verses 3 all the way down to verse 7. You can read it in great detail. He attacked idolatry. He aggressively went after all of these foreign gods. He went after everything that angered the Lord. He went after the sin that was in the nation. And what did he do? He aggressively, he ruthlessly, he attacked it. 
Let me tell you, my friend, this is how you progress in your spiritual walk. This is how you continue to pursue God. This is how you go wholeheartedly after God. You have to attack sin in your life. Romans chapter 6 verse 2 says that if we are alive to Christ and we've been delivered out of sin, then how can we live in sin? We must crucify it. We must kill it. John Owen, that great Puritan pastor from the 15, oh, maybe 1600s. You can Google it. I think 1600s. Oh, it might have been 1500s. Anything you read of John Owen? Ooh. It's some heavy lifting, but it's well worth it. John Owen wrote a fantastic book called The Mortification of Sin. You know where he got that? Romans 8, verse 13. Romans 8, 13 says, We are to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And you have to put to death, you have to mortify the works of sin in your life. And you know what John Owen said that I've always appreciated? John Owen said, Either you are going to be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. There are no neutral grounds here. Either you're killing sin, or sin is killing you. You have to be that aggressive. You have to be that serious. You have to be that intentional on ruthlessly attacking sin. If you pay attention to verses 3 through 7, you will see the laser focus that Josiah had when it came to cleansing the land of Israel. Are we that focused? Are we that intentional in cleansing our own life? Cleansing our own homes? What a lesson for us. What a principle for us. Verse number 1, he comes to the throne at age 8. Just a boy. But verse 16, he begins to seek after God. Verse number two, I want you to note this line. He did not turn to the left nor to the right. Let me tell you what's needed in today's church. Let me tell you what's needed in today's Christianity. Christians who are not distracted. Christians who are laser focused. Christians that are pursuing the kingdom of God and the will of God. Are you that kind of Christian? Or do you get distracted with this? Distracted over here. You get serious with God for a short time, but then you're right back off into the same sin. You get serious with God, but then you fall from consistency and you fall from steadfastness. And then you try to get back on track and before you know it, you're off track. You know what may be one of the greatest enemies to you? Distractions. This is why Jesus said, Any man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom. What does he mean by that? You cannot plow straight rows and look back at the same time. You're going to go the straight path? Any runner that is running a race, have you ever watched an Olympic runner compete while looking around in the stands? Casually running, throwing his hand up. You can't look back and go forward. See, that's why Lot's wife wasn't supposed to look back. God don't like it when you look back. 
He wants you always going forward. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumphal procession. Can we say amen? amen? He wasn't distracted. He didn't turn to the left. He didn't turn to the right. At age 16, he began to seek after God. He set himself to seek God. At age 20, he cleansed the land. He got aggressive with idolatry. He cleaned things up. Can you see how he's progressing spiritually? Oh, but something's still lacking. Verse number 8. Oh, how I appreciate this verse. At age 26, he commands, he orders the rebuilding, or I should say the repair of the temple. According to the scriptures, because of Manasseh and previous kings, they had let the temple just go to ruin. Hezekiah was the last one who was serious about the temple. His father, Amaziah, he was wicked. I mean, we've had a long string of wickedness in the kingdom. And the temple has been neglected, and the temple is, has, has fallen by the wayside. And now, this godly King Josiah, who sought the Lord at 16 and cleansed the land at 20, now at age 26, he's going to order the repairs of the temple. And I want you to pay attention to the last phrase of verse number 8, because this is very important. It says, he repaired the orders, uh, he ordered the repair of the temple, not just of the Lord God, but what does the text say? Of his God. That stood out to me this week. His God. His God. Let me ask you a question. Are you personal with the Lord Jesus Christ today? See, some of you listening, see, you, you've, you've grown up either here in the Bible Belt or perhaps you, you know, your, your grandmother was quite godly or maybe it was your grandfather who was a praying man or maybe it, it, perhaps your mother or your father or another relative. Some of you, you've been around godliness, but that's as far as you've ever gotten. You've never made Jesus yours. You've never been personal with God. And I think this is a word to us. He wasn't just some religion over here. It wasn't just the God of Hezekiah or the God of his father David. No, it says it was his God. Can the same be said of your life today? Or do you hold on to grandma's religion? Do you hold on to mom or dad's Christianity? Or have you made it? Yours. Do you walk with God personally? Is God moving in your life? Do you pray to the Lord your God? Do you worship God? I'm not asking do you come to church on Sunday. I'm so glad that you're here. But let me tell you, this is just a small portion of walking with God. Are you in the Word daily? Do you walk with God? Do you live life with God? Do you pray without ceasing? Are you always in tune with the Lord? Can God speak to you at any moment, at any part of the day, and your ears are opening, and you're listening for the voice of the Lord? Has God become your God? Because let me tell you, God wants to be mighty personal with you. You say, Chad, just how personal? Let me tell you, he has the hairs of your head numbered. And you know how well the Lord knows us? Let me tell you, I don't even know the number of the hairs of my head. 
That tells me God knows me better than what I even know myself. The Bible says he knows our uprisings. He knows our downsettings. He knows our going ins and he knows our coming outs. The Bible says he knows everything about us. So why would you not talk to him all day? Why would you not let him in on all the decisions? Why would we compartmentalize certain areas of our life? And why would we keep certain rooms of our life only for us and not allow the Lord Jesus in? Is he personal? Is he yours? I think verse number 8 is a great word for us today. Make sure he is your Lord God. Verses 9 to 14 I find intriguing. So he's going to call for people to bring offerings to repair the temple. Not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judah, and not just in Benjamin, but to the remnant of Israel. Remember what we said? The northern kingdom been now led into captivity. And now the remnant that is left of Israel, he even welcomes them and says, hey, Give offerings to what God is doing. You know what I think? There's a word here for our church because I was thinking about this this week. You know, right now I'm praying. We have a, we have a crusade in Pakistan on September 5th where we are anticipating 12 to 15,000 people that night. And what makes it even better to me, this is in a region where Taliban lives. It will be the most significant Pakistan event that we have done to date. And we've done these since July 2018. Every single month, we send 300 a month for Urdu Bibles in Pakistan. And the team contacted me and said, Chad, we need 1,000 Urdu Bibles. Well, I'm not good with math. But they're $6.50. And I immediately went, oh, $6,500 on top of the first John project. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't ask the church about this. We, we have stretched as hard as we can stretch for first John. Lord, we just can't do it. And the Holy Spirit reminded me and said, Chad, is it your work or is it my work? Because I don't need you to be in charge. Okay, I hear you, Lord. So I began praying. Lord, it's your work. You do however you desire to do. You just show us the path and we'll be faithful to go. But you know, I've been thinking, if you are part of this church, I'm afraid sometimes it may feel a little overwhelming because there's this project and there's this project and there's this project. Perhaps you're somebody that at times you've just said, I don't, know, I don't know what to say, but I can't do everything. And you know what? You're right. You can't do everything. But you know, I think there's a principle here for us. And the principle is that the word went out. And you know what the word basically was? Verses 9 to 14. The word is this. Engage in God's work. And you know what I think the principle is? No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Can we say amen to that? 
No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Here is the point. The invitation from God is clear. Engage in my work. And I don't know what that looks like for you. There are times that God says to me personally, I want you to put your hand toward this. And then there are other times the Lord says, no, I don't want you to be part of that. Just pray for it. I'll take care of it. I have my people. You know, sometimes the Lord has to remind me, his kingdom does not depend on me. He has his people. And there are some things I can do. And there are some things I can't do or that I'm not supposed to do. All I'm supposed to do is walk in those good works that I was created in Christ before the foundations of the world were ever laid to walk in them. Ephesians 2 verse 18. And same for you. So if you're in a church like ours, where at times you're going, oh my goodness, they're giving to, oh, they're giving to Bible translation, and I was part of that. Now they're doing Bibles for Urdu, and gosh, they're doing student stuff, and they're doing Awakened, and they're doing this missions project, and we got this going on for the homeless, and over here, I can't do it all. Yeah, no, you can't, and you're not supposed to. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. The point is, engage in the work of God as God leads you. Can we say amen to that? And that just takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? The pressure's not on us. The pressure's on God. Why? Because it's His work. And it's His kingdom. We are just simply called to pray and to engage ourselves however the Lord tells us to engage, either by prayer, by giving, or by going and serving one or the other. All right. Verse number 15. This is when everything changes. Now, this is fascinating to me. Watch the progression. Came to the throne at age 8. Began to seek God at 16. Cleansed the land of idolatry at age 20. Began to repair the temple of the Lord at age 26. But there was something missing in all of this progression. Verse number 15, while they're cleaning out the temple and clearing out the temple, what are they clearing out of it? Idolatry. Manasseh had set up all of this crazy idol stuff. And apparently, because they were worried about Manasseh destroying the word of God, some godly priest, must have been during Manasseh's reign, hid, preserved, A copy of the word of God. And now this godly priest named Hilkiah. He's in the temple doing what the king commanded. And he's repairing and he's restoring the temple. And and he's really set Judah back in order. It's really thrilling to me when you read all the details of verses 9 to 14. The Bible has one phrase in there that really jumps out to me. And it says they did their work faithfully. Oh, I love that. How many times have we read in Chronicles they were faithless? No, not these people. Not this generation. They were faithful. Made me stop and take inventory of my pastoral work. Am I faithful in what God has called me to do? Your ministry that God equips you to do, either at work or in your neighborhood or in your sphere of friends or with your family or here within the church, whatever God has your hands to, are you faithful in it? These people were faithful. And now this godly man and this faithful man 
he finds a copy of the word of God. It was hidden. It was tucked away. I believe it was preserved. And you know what the point is? Here Josiah was setting himself to seek God, cleansing the land of idolatry, repairing the temple and engaging in the work of God. And all the while, what was missing in his life was the word of God. It's the same true for you. Oh, you come to church. Good. You serve on a team. Great. You share Jesus with people. They know you're a Christian. They know you pray. They know that, that you're trying to do God's will. Oh, that's great. You go to Bible study or small groups, and that's good too. You, perhaps, like Josiah, you're doing many of the right things. But what's missing in your life is the Word. The daily rhythm, nurturing, feeding of your soul, the Word of God. And let me tell you what Satan will tell many of us. Satan will tell us, no, see, there Chad goes again, talking about them elite Christians. No. Oh, talking about those Navy SEAL Christians. Oh, no. Only, only people like preachers can read the Bible every day and understand it. Oh, what a liar he is. Or he'll tell you, oh, you got to read an entire book a day to make any progress. No. Oh, you have to read a chapter a day to make any progress. No. People ask me all the time, Chad, how do you read the Bible? And I know what they mean. They mean being blind. How to, but you know what I tell everybody? As slowly as I can. I read the Bible as slow as possible. Do you know why? If you came up to me after church and said, Pastor Chad, the Lord has put on my heart to take you to Chop House to get you a ribeye steak. Which is fine. I'm available after service. I'm free to go with anyone. No, that's not true. I'm not available. I have next steps. But anyways. But we can schedule something. So anyway. <clears throat> if you say, Chad, I'm going to get you. Uh, what, what, would you what, what size ribeye would you like? You know, 6, 9, 12, 20 ounce. I'll take 20. Thank you. Um, do you know how I'm going to eat that steak? Oh, if you've ever sat down and ate steak with me, you know I will savor it. I will enjoy it. The goal is not to fly through it. The goal is to enjoy, to have it nurture me, to have it bring good things to me. No, I treat the Word of God the exact same way. My goal is not to fly through it. My goal is to savor it. My goal is to let it impact me. My goal is to get all the nutrients out of it for my spiritual soul. Can we say amen today? Amen. The word of God makes all the difference. And let me tell you, there is only one pathway to God. And do you know what that path is? His word. It's not nature. So many people will go, oh, I can be with God out in the woods. Oh, I can be with God on the lake. Oh, I can be close. To no, my friend. God is found in his word. God is not found in our interest. 
Some people will go, well, I'm never so close to God as when I'm gardening. I'm never so close to God than when I'm baking. I'm never so close to God than when I'm tuning and fixing my cars. Hey, listen, you may have great skill. You may have great skill in those areas. You may have great interests and you may have great uh, abilities and all that. And listen, there may be an element of truth to that, that you're in your purpose and God's using you to do what you're created. to. Hey, I, I don't disagree with that. But that's not the path to God. The path to God is in his word. Does that make sense? And if you're shorting yourself, the word of God, you're shorting yourself all that God wants to say to you and all that he wants to do in you. Can God use your gardening? By all means. Can God use you as a mechanic? Oh, yeah. Can God use you? Hey, get out on the lake and worship God. I'm not saying those things are all wrong. I'm saying they don't take the place of his word in our life. So in all that you do and all of your responsibilities and all that you enjoy and everything that comprises your life, don't neglect the word of God. Everything changed for for Josiah when they discovered God's word. And I know the same will be true in your life. When you discover the daily rhythm of God's word, everything will change for you. So, verse 19 and verse 27, I want you to see how Josiah reacted. They read for him for the first time the word of God. Didn't even know it existed, the way the text reads. They didn't even know it was missing. Some of you precious people are the exact same way. You think church is enough, and you don't even realize fully what's missing out of your life. Oh, I've come to tell you good gospel news My precious friends, if you're not in the Word every day, and I'm not talking about hours upon hours. I'm not talking about chapters upon chapters. Let me tell you, sometimes God speaks to me through one verse. Sometimes He speaks to me through one word. But some of you don't even know it's missing, just like Josiah. So, He hears it. And the Bible says he does something very dramatic. He rips his clothes. (laughs) Not like Superman ripping your clothes. No. In the Old Testament, this was an act of humility. Clothing was outrageously expensive. Clothing was very difficult to obtain. He didn't go to the mall and pick out your wardrobe. They were few and far between. And to rip your clothing said to God... I'm serious about this. Verse number 27, I want you to note this. Number one, his heart became tender toward God. You know, that's what the word of God does for us. It softens our heart. You're someone today filled with anger. You need God's word in you. It will soften you. You're someone today filled with rage and jealousy. You need God's word. It will soften you. You someone holding a grudge today? You need God's word. You somebody fighting bitterness today? You need God's word. God's word will help you. It made his heart tender toward God. It's a precious thing. It's a precious thing to be tender toward God. 
Some of you, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. This, I don't know who this is for, but the Holy Spirit wants to say this to you. Some of you walk into this building week after week and you cry your eyes out and you're so embarrassed. Oh, let me tell you, you don't be embarrassed by that. You're tender toward God. God would applaud that. You don't be embarrassed. That's the devil telling you that. Amen? You be tender toward God. What happened? Verse 27. His heart became tender to God. He greatly humbled himself. He tore his garments. And what does it say? He wept before the Lord. What a response to God's word. Can you imagine? Listen. Forgive me, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just plugging the September 5th Pakistan crusade, but I, I'm very serious. Can you imagine what it's going to be for many in that crowd of twelve to 15,000 on September 5th that for the first time they hear the gospel? For the first time. And they believe. My sermon that day, God willing, is going to be called A God who would believe. And what is it going to be when our team there takes those Bibles that we buy from the Bible Society of Pakistan in the Urdu language, in their heart, native tongue? And what's it going to be when we give them the eternal words of Jesus? There's nothing greater. His heart became tender. He humbled himself. He tore his garments. He wept before God. But let me tell you, he didn't stop there. And this is where I'm going to conclude today. He didn't stop short at an emotional response. He didn't stop short at just being emotional. You know what he did? He took the next step to a firm commitment. He took the next step to godly actions. Verses 30 and 31, he took all the elders of Israel. He took all the leadership of Israel, or I should say of Judah. He brought all of these people together. They went to the temple of the Lord. He took his place in the temple of the Lord, and he read aloud the word to the entire nation. And that day they made a covenant with God. Verse 31. What did they commit to God? What does the word of God do in our life? What's the right response? What's the right results? What does God do in us? He said, we're going to covenant that we're going to walk in all the ways of God. We're going to keep all his commands and all his statutes and all of his rules from this day forward with all our heart and with all our soul. We're going to obey God. (laughs) And verse 33, maybe the greatest commentary I've seen yet of all the kings and all of the days of the life of Josiah, verse 33, they never turned away from the Lord. You know what I find interesting about that church? When you get serious about God's word. When you have the right response, you have the right results, you have the right actions, it creates those godly actions in your life for faith without works is what? Dead. And your faith is activated and you're doing the works of God and you're engaged in the work of God. Do you know what happens? All of those around you begin to follow you.
Everybody around Josiah got serious about God. Everybody with Josiah made the same covenant. Everybody in Josiah's life said, we're going to walk with God from here on out. In all the days of his life, Israel never turned. Could God turn the trajectory of your family? Could God change the course of your family? You bet he can. I'm not doubting today your commitment at all. I'm not not in any way implying that you're not serious about God, that you're not following God, that you're not trying to rid your life of sin. You may be doing all of those things, but here's my question today. Like Josiah, are we doing all the right things, but we're doing it without the power, without the effect, without the impact, without the influence of God's word in our life? Let's bow our heads today. Have you neglected God's word? If you are, then here's the good news. Get on track. Begin tonight. Take your Bible and read it. Set reminders on your devices. Post a scripture on your mirror as you're getting ready in the mornings. Make the word of God central. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.